grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? It's Monday. Yikes. Another week. Another week. Another week. Well, I hope everybody's doing great. We've got a great guest tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you think you have a paranormal issue and you think you need some help, we can get to you. It might take us a little bit because California is a big state, but uh, we will make it work. I've got people up and down almost every, you know, several counties and all that. They're all within range of Central California, Southern California, everything. So uh, let us know. You can let me know through Facebook if you need help. That's either my personal Facebook or you can let me know via uh, the California Hunts Ghostly Events page. There's also a California Hunts Facebook page. And well, I'm also on Instagram if you're interested. I'm at ghostygal, all lowercase. You can find us at TikTok under California Haunts, which is all lowercase, and also you, uh, twi- uh, Twitch. <laughs> Too many of these people over at Twitch. I think we're under California Haunts over there, and Twitter. We're at Cal Haunts and Twitter. All right. Anyway, welcome everybody. I want to give you guys a quick update now. Next week it's going to be interesting because I have pre-recorded shows for you guys, and so you're going to get your usual scheduled shows at 6:30 p.m. Pacific. But in addition to all this, I'm going to Disneyland. So I'll be off to Disneyland Sunday, and uh, I'm going to be going live. California Hunts Radio is going to go live from the House of Mouse, and so you're going to have to be watching out because those are going to be broadcast on YouTube for everybody. And um, what will happen is I, I'll probably broadcast in the morning hours and take a short break and then come back in the evening hours to broadcast. It depends how the day goes, okay? Uh, so I'm really excited about that. So I've got two days at DCA. So we're going to be going, we're going to be around that park, and then we'll have two days at the Magic Kingdom. So it's going to be pretty fun, and we're going to be live. And so you, I'm taking you guys along, taking you guys on my vacation. By the time I get done, you know, between the regular shows that I have set up for you guys and the vacation shows, you're going to need a vacation from me, right? Okay. So we're going to be doing that. That's yeah, that's exciting. I'm excited. I've worked out all the audio issues that I was having, and we are good to go. So anyway. Tonight, the gentleman, J. Allen Cross, who's our guest tonight, has studied witchcraft, and he's very good at what he does. He works with the Paranormal Group in Oregon. I'm going to let him tell the story because you know how I screw things up. He works with the Paranormal Group in Oregon, and uh, he applies what he has learned in witchcraft to paranormal investigating and, you know, and ghost stuff. So I want to ask him, I want to pick his brain about that. I also want to ask him about his, his origins. He's, he's got one book out about witchcraft but straight witchcraft he talks about the the the, the, the brujas in america and uh, i grew up my grandmother was a white witch in mexico and she brought that over with her and from the stories my mother has told me she would do you know she was doing stuff here as well and so i kind of been studying into that looking into that stuff because you know that's what i do but anyway, I'm going to bring him on, and we'll ask him some cool questions, and we'll see if you guys have any questions in the chat room. Feel free to ask. I'm going to have to enlarge it. got my glasses on, so I'm blind. But, you know, I'll enlarge it so I can read your questions. All right. Without further ado, let me bring Jay Allen Cross on. 
Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good, how about you? I'm doing great. I love your intro. I'm so excited that you're going to Disney and oh that God. you have people all up and down California. We need more people doing this work. So I, I love hearing that. I haven't been to Disney since 2011. So everything's changed. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's the first time ever that I'm going to broadcast live from anywhere with the show. So it should be interesting to see how it goes. Absolutely. All right. Tell me about you, sir. So um, I am a writer, I am a folk witch, I'm a paranormal investigator, I'm a medium, and I like to cram all of those together and do them all at once <laughs> as often as possible, um, which has led me to uh, writing about paranormal investigation and utilizing witchcraft in it. My uh, new book, The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal, That's came great. out not that long ago. And uh, oh, excellent. I got your back. Go <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so that came out not that long ago. Um, it's been helping a whole lot of people. I've been getting really great feedback about it from both witches and paranormal investigators alike. And it's kind of an interesting project where I've been doing this work for quite some time. And for me, it always just made sense to put the two together. But I was really surprised when I first started talking about this project that a lot of people hadn't thought to cross the two worlds. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of people who are messaging me now who are like, I've been doing witchcraft for years <laughs> and I've been doing paranormal investigation for years. I never thought to put them together. And so I'm like, but you absolutely can. So uh, my book is kind of uh, a little field guide to do the work that I do when it comes to paranormal investigation and actually, um, helping to resolve a haunting and not just document it is really important to me. That sounds really, really cool. And that's why I was so interested in having you on because I, I, I've worked with shamans, you know, on my team mm -hmm. and stuff, but I've never worked directly with anybody that has the skills that, that, that you have essentially. I mean, I was on an investigation in downtown Sacramento. We were doing a live thing with channel 10 and, and some, and, and some, uh, some, uh, you know, medicine, you know, uh, Mexican medicine women, you know, we're down there. The Aztecs were down there blessing the building and everything. And I, I was real nice. And I walked out. I said, you know, we're doing a TV show today. Can you not bless until after we're done? So we can get some evidence. Don't cleanse it until we're out of here. Okay. So right. Not quite yet. <laughs> don't, don't, be, don't be cleansing it. But my mother was impressed because she was sitting out in the car waiting for me. She says, oh, my God, my mother did that stuff. And I said, yeah, I know. It's kind of cool. So I was able to talk to them a little bit. But I'm fascinated by it. By what you do. Absolutely. It's such a an interesting world, especially when you bring in the Mexican aspect of it. Because uh -huh. I, I find geographically where you are, the spiritual things change. And Mexico is one of those places where people still believe magic is still very real. Uh -huh. um, when I was do doing the interviews and the research for my first book, um, American Brujeria, uh, when I was asking people about kind of their experiences a lot of people from Mexico or people who had family members from Mexico would recount stories of things like people flying or people shape-shifting and they were dead serious. This wasn't even like a, my cousin's uncle's brother. They were like, no, I saw this. And I find that places like Mexico, something about that belief, something about people's openness to it makes it more tangible. And I think it makes things a little more interesting. It does. Let me flash to the, we went early, the first question of the day. I'm going to flash it up on the screen so you can see it. Uh, button, button. Who's got the button? There we go. Okay. Can you read that? Mm-hmm. 
they say, can someone put a negative lifetime hex on someone and how can you break them? That is a great question. Um, so to answer the first part, uh, you can put a negative lifetime, like a lifelong hex on someone. Um, and how to break it, it depends on a few things. It kind of depends on what you're dealing with, um, who cast it. So in order to give a lot of specifics, you'd, I'd, I'd need more detail because every mm -hmm. case is going to be a little bit different as I talk about my, my book too. It all depends on the case. Um, but there's a lot of ways different people might go about that. Um, you might go to uh, a specific type of healer or a worker that deals with that, like a curandero, um, or you could also, um, for something like that with a witchcraft perspective, Again, it depends on a few things, but for things like hex breaking, I really love to work with plants like agrimony. Agrimony is really wonderful at taking off things that have already been put on you. Um, but if you want to go old school, um, things like cups of coffee or in Mexican folklore too, you can get um, bars of soap that are uh, sulfur based and utilize that as a way to cleanse yourself. So it all kind of depends on what we're dealing with. Let me see what this is. She just read it. she just responded. Let's see what she got. Someday I'll get to read. I'm, I'm waiting on my contacts. <laughs> Says it was my ex daughter in law who plays with yeah. witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, it's always those those ex people that are always <laughs> causing trouble. It's always those people that have no business playing with stuff that they don't know about. And the next yep. thing you know, my phone rings, your phone rings. You know, <laughs> off we go. <laughs> off we go to undo exactly. the damage. Um, how did you get into studying witchcraft? So it's kind of a family thing. Um, I didn't end up doing or learning witchcraft because it was something I was interested in or something uh -huh. that I enjoyed. I learned it because things were happening or coming out of me and I needed to um, put a leash on it, essentially. I, From a very young age, I was very psychic and I was also... Um, very prone to making things happen around me. And it's something that's common in my family. Um, my mother was actually adopted. And when we found her birth family, you know, we kind of get to know one another like, hi. And then after everyone's kind of comfortable, one at a time, her new family or her kind of birth family comes up to us and is like, so does anything weird happen with you guys? And we're like, what do you mean? Because yes, but you got to be more specific. And they're like, you know, do you like dream of the future or see dead people? Or do you, or do you get mad and someone dies? And we're like, oh, yes. <laughs> and so it's it's more of a family thing. Um, right. it, it's not necessarily that we have a specific lineage of witchcraft that has been handed down to me. But it's, uh, it's something that we all kind of have an affinity for. So I began learning witchcraft at a really young age. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade when I started actually learning um, in order to get a handle on it, <laughs> in order to kind of try and be normal. And uh, it sort of worked, sort of didn't, <laughs> at least as far as the normalcy is concerned. Right, right. Well, I was just going to say, I was just thinking, I read a book somewhere about, about uh, Quirinderos mm -hmm. and where it will run in a family, Mexican families, and the male is usually the strongest of the between the male and female. I've heard that in a couple of different places as mm -hmm. well. I think it depends on um, kind of like different places in Mexico as well, because mm -hmm. people forget that Mexico is really big actually as like a piece of land. And so like the different areas, the magic and the customs as far as, you know, those things are concerned will be different from place to place. Mm -hmm. um, but that's interesting. 
Mm-hmm. So tell me about, you know, witchcraft in general, because the other question I have is, do you think that witchcraft gets a bad rap? Um, yes, but not in a way that I think people are expecting me to say. Um, so I, I think in a way, like a lot of times people want to be like, oh yeah, it's very misunderstood. Um, you know, it's actually a very positive thing, but I think, I think nowadays where it's kind of more of a mainstream thing, like, you know, like right now, like Cosmo is like Mm -hmm. putting love spells in their magazines and stuff. I think it's the bad rap that witchcraft has right now is that it's completely safe and anyone can do it and nothing at all can go wrong. And then people like you and I get a call where it's like, so I tried to do this thing and now this thing's in my house. I'm like, okay, I think we need to. It's like psychic abilities too. I mean, people don't realize that once they open that door, that it's not always going to be, you know, sunshine and flowers coming through that sucker. <laughs> exactly. Know? And all you have is your Cosmo spell for yeah. a new man. And that's yeah, all you, you know, that's the next thing you know, boom, you know, stuff's coming through. Yeah. So uh, with, with this book that you wrote, what is your goal with this book? You know, to educate people or, or what is it? So my goal with this book, and I always knew that this book was coming, even though I, I wrote one ahead of it. Um uh-huh. Kind of the the thing that really sparked it was I, um, after I kind of developed a following online and people found out what it is that I do, I began getting contacted by a lot of people out of state, places like, you know, Michigan that are like so far away from me. And I'd be like, you know what, I can't help you because you're way too far away, but let me find your local paranormal investigation team. And I would, you know, do a little Google, find who their local team is, send them a message. And if I get a response at all, most of the time the response was, we can do absolutely nothing to help, but we'd love to come and take photos. Mm-hmm. And the person that contacted me, like their family's all sleeping together in the living room because they're terrified. And I'm like, right. that's not going to help. I'm like, we right. need to actually do something. And I really had thought when I had joined Paranormal Investigation, like a group, mm-hmm. that what I had already known was taught ubiquitously. I thought everyone was armed with this knowledge um, because I had done solo investigating for years before I joined a team. And I was really shocked working with other teams where I'm like, but you don't do anything to like clear the haunting or, or move the spirits over, or you don't have, and they're like, no, we just take photos. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I love the, I, I love the evidence collecting. I think that's an mm-hmm. important part of paranormal investigation, but I think we need to have a, an honest conversation with ourselves that mm-hmm. we can get the best evidence that anyone has ever got, like a really clear photo of Bigfoot and it's not going to go anywhere because mm-hmm. everyone's just going to go, well, it could have right. been faked. Right. And that's kind of the bar for debunking these days is it's possible that it could have been faked. And so I think we need to take evidence collecting a little down on the priority list and put helping people who are, you know, suffering from a paranormal disturbance much higher on the priority list. And that's what I'm hoping to be able to do with this book is to kind of teach people what I do so that they can go, okay, whether they're an investigator or a witch or both or neither can pick up Uh the book and go, okay, I can actually go and help people now. Right, right. I think that's very, very important with an investigation team. I've always had that prioritized because that's what we're there for. I have to help and educate. Yeah. You know, because otherwise, if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so exactly. 
And the education part is like so important too. Mm -hmm. Like the other day I was um, at a house and I'm showing the person, I'm like, like, okay, come over here and and watch what I'm doing. And I'm going to walk you through it. And they were like shocked that I was letting them in on the secret. And I'm like, I'm like, no, because when I leave here, you need to be able to do this yourself too. Um, So the education, I I think it's really important to share the info. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how witchcraft works with the paranormal or how do you (sighs) use it actually to work with paranormal? Yes. So uh, when we do witchcraft, essentially what we're doing is we are moving or manipulating or directing energy, um, shifting it around, um, you know, speeding it up, slowing it down. All these kinds of things is involved in witchcraft as well as energy sensing, um, which is really important when it comes to witchcraft, because otherwise we're kind of flying blind. And when we go into a paranormal arena, not only is energy sensing really important because that's the psychic part of it. Who's mm-hmm. here? What are we feeling? Is it, is it a good presence? Is it a negative presence? Is it angry? Is it happy? Things like that. Energy sensing is really important. But then the energy movement part, we have to remember that spirits are energy without bodies. Mm-hmm. So when we do witchcraft, we're moving energy around. So that allows us to play on their field. So something that something I hear a lot from clients who uh, are especially like the oldest male in the household is like, oh, you know, if this was an intruder, if this was a robber, I would know what to do. Like, you know, I have the Louisville slugger behind the bed, you know, whatever it is, like I have a plan. But this thing doesn't have a body. I can't hit it with a bat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because you need a spiritual bet. <laughs> so that when we utilize witchcraft, we can not only have a bigger effect on the spirits, especially if we need to like defend against something, but we also have an opportunity where we can heal things because a lot of paranormal issues aren't necessarily um, something uh, evil. It might be aggressive, but sometimes it's aggressive because it's trying to get your attention and it wants help. Uh And so through the energy sensing, we can figure out, you know, what that might be. And then through witchcraft, we might be able to help it heal, help it move on, open a doorway for it to go to the next place or whatever it is. We can also um, have a big impact on things like portals. So that's something that I run across a lot in paranormal work is, you know, I'll come into a house and sometimes they're like, oh, we've already had like four different people come in here and clear this and it keeps coming back. And I'm like, that's because you have a big old doorway right over there. So through witchcraft, we can do things like close and open portals as we need as well to help fix that. And all of that is in the book as well. I put everything in there. So I always thought it was difficult to close close portals. Not so much. Um, I guess it depends on the portal. Like if it's like if it's kind of the the average run of the mill portal, that's just kind of like a transport thing that's kind of opened up in an area, common household things, those tend to be pretty easy. If it was like ritually opened portal to hell or something, maybe not. Um, but I don't find those too often. How hard is it to uh, do a cleansing and, and remove an entity that's attached to the land? Hmm. Attached to the land. Well, it depends on the entity um, and it depends on what the nature of its attachment is. So for example, um, one of the stories I tell in the book is we were called to this house once where this man had uh, built a really beautiful house in the middle of this wooded area in lower Washington. And in order to build the house, he had to cut down a lot of trees. Mm -hmm. 
kind of just indiscriminately just kind of just cut out cut out an area in order to build his house and in his brain that was fine but the land spirits were not very happy about it mm-hmm. and in a scenario like that i can't really exercise them from the land because they are the land they are irrevocably tied to it it was theirs first um and so in that scenario i can't really remove them but we can this is what we get into less you know it, fighting the spirits and more a lot of the time are (laughs) we're mediating between the living and then the spirits and so we had to then reach a compromise like okay his house is here he's gonna have to live here he's very sorry so like what do we do so in instances like that especially when you have land spirits that are really upset Mm -hmm. um we can do things like um planting native fruit trees that are like native to the area um as kind of like an i'm sorry um or planting more trees to make up for it um there are certain things that we can do in order to kind of say sorry and um kind of reach common ground so sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's like we're fighting demons and then other times it's like we're kind of having a a couples therapy session between the spirits and the people depending on the case fascinating all right i have a couple couple questions out of the chat room What's your take on poppets? Is it bad to create them? Ah, take on poppets. Is it bad to create them? Um, no, I don't think it's bad to create them. I think what we do from there can be bad um, or it can be good. So I use poppets a lot of time for like distance healing work because I a lot of my um, clients are people who are out of state or even out of the country. I had a I had a coaching call with someone in Australia the other day and I can't, you know, actually lay hands on them and do energy work. Um, but what I can do is I can create a poppet of them and mm-hmm. utilize that as a proxy. Um, so poppets aren't always used for like, you know, in the stereotypical voodoo doll sense where we're harming people. Um, But you can do a lot of good things with poppets. Um, You can also like make poppets of your friends and put them in like very safe, protected places, things like that. Um, So yeah, poppets are just fine. Another question. Can portals or whatever come through a TV program? Hmm. I'm going to say yes, simply because I know that as soon as any time I've ever said Oh, like that's impossible. Um, and so the paranormal is always just like, watch this um, and does something absurd. So it wouldn't surprise me. I've seen some weird stuff. And so I would say, yeah, probably. Um, can you tell me about some cleansing techniques that you use? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the ones that I really like to utilize is um, I kind of use a couple main ones. So in the book, I go over all of these, but I like to kind of talk about the lesser known ones <laughs> or the ones that you don't see very often. Cause you know, we've all seen like the smoke and the, the sage sticks and right, things right, like right. that. But something I really like to use is sound things like bells, um, rattles, things like that, even on occasion, drums. Um, I have <laughs> gone around a house before with pots and pans, like <laughs> get really? out of here. It does work. Um, I, I do prefer something a little more dignified than the pots and pans. Um, but, you know, whatever you have on hand, sometimes you have to MacGyver it. Um, but I do love using sound, um, particularly bells and rattles. Um, they can really unclog energy. And I find a lot of what I'm doing in a home isn't just like, you know, 
directed at a specific spirit as much as it is the entire energy of the home okay. um, because the the spirits will sometimes anchor into that energy in the home and so I need to clear that energy out of things like the walls and the floors and the ceiling and doing that with sound is a really great way to do it um, I also like to use things like candles um, in the book I teach you how to make something um, I'm always like wondering what to call them. I think I've called them black drawing candles in the book. Um, sometimes I, I want to call them like vampire candles or something like that. Because essentially what they're is, is they're black candles that are designed to um, suck out the certain types of energy from a mm -hmm. space. So if it's a really big space and I'm just one person, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to take me six hours <laughs> to do this. I'll set these candles out and around and they'll kind of drain that energy that I don't want out of the space and kind of work as like... Um, uh, spiritual trash receptacles and that's really helpful or it gives me a place to send the energy so if I have like a rattle and I've broken up a lot of energy that's stuck in the walls and it's just kind of like floating around now I can send it to the candles for kind of containment and disposal which is really helpful so when you're out in the field like that how do you decide which um you know cleansing ah god come on work okay <laughs> When you're out in the field, how do you decide which, which ritual you want to use to cleanse? So it depends on kind of two things. It depends on, number one, the type of haunting. So in the book, I, I teach you um, what the four types of haunting are, which is um, a human earthbound spirit, a residual haunting, a poltergeist, and an inhuman entity. Um, and I tell you how to, I teach you how to tell the difference between them, because all of them are going to need something different. So for instance, if I have... Um, if I have like a residual haunting, which is a memory trapped in a space, um, I have different tools to help lift that out of a space mm -hmm. as opposed to something that I would use for a human earthbound spirit or a ghost that was there. So it depends on which type of haunting. It also depends on the clients as well. So if I'm in someone's home and they're like, yeah, my child has like really intense asthma if you light any incense they'll drop dead immediately and i'm like okay i'm not going to use any smoke you know like, uh -huh. so it, it depends on on those two things mostly interesting also um like native americans do, do do you do something different for for anybody that's native american um sometimes uh i always try to work i always try and meet clients where they at as far as where they're at as far as what their spiritual beliefs are. Uh, I think that's really important. And that's something I talk about in the book as well is when you're working with clients, especially as like a witch um, or as witches that are doing this, when you come to like a very Christian household, you can't tell them like, okay, well, if anything happens again, just like throw out your Bible and embrace the dark goddess. And like, you know, like they're not going to do that, but I can teach them which prayers are going to help protect them. So I always think it's best to uh, meet them wherever they are as far as their spiritual beliefs are. And how do you, I mean, like sometimes you come across these, these ghosts that are angry, you know, and how do they respond when, I guess they already know you're, you're a witch when you go in, the ghosts do, because they, they, mm -hmm. they can read stuff like that. So what kind of response do you get from them? It like like every like all my answers it depends um but usually it, it kind of depends on, on how they've gotten there and it also depends on why they're haunting this space so sometimes they don't know that they're dead and okay. so sometimes i get a very different reaction um other times though i've had them be very afraid of me 
when I come in because they think I'm going to make them do something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I'm, I'm just here to talk. Cause that's square one is just communicating with them and being like, okay, why are you here? What's going on? Like, what is it that you need? Um, in information gathering. And then from there, I make a plan with them so that they feel okay. The living feels okay. It's important to kind of respect both sides when we do this. Um, that being said, I, I do think it's important to prioritize the living that are here right now over the dead. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff online that's like, um, well, if the ghost of the person who built the house is like terrorizing you, then you can't do anything about that because right. they were there first. And I'm like, no, they're dead now. Their time is up. <laughs> like, so there's, it's a balance. So I, I was reading information up on you and through, through your investigations, you kind of acquired a friend. Tell me about your friend. Are we, are we referring to Clyde? I am. <laughs> Ah, Clyde is an enigma. Um, I'm not sure if we're friends. Maybe we're friends. I don't know. Because I spend a lot of time being being a major thorn in his side. So <laughs> we'll see. But um, so Clyde is the name I've sort of out of necessity and I guess maybe in some ways out of love given to uh, a entity that is commonly known as the Hat Man. And... It's so funny because I didn't even know that he was a thing until I ran across him at an investigation where there's this very tall, kind of thin, charismatic man dressed in like a suit and tails with a top hat and like the gloves and the spats, the whole nine yards. He's very dapper. And I'm like, okay, this is the fanciest ghost I've ever met. Um, And then come to, during that investigation, realize that he was not human. Um, which he rewarded me for that realization with this horrid smile with all these jagged shark teeth. And I'm like, that's not something I love. <laughs> so I got him out of the the space where I first met, encountered him, which was a bar in Portland, um, got him out of there. And then a few uh, cases later, I come across the same-ish spirit. So from case to case, I don't meet the same Clyde but mm-hmm. I, but I, I refer to a Clyde as as the class of spirits known as Hatman. And after I had ran into these several times, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I can't be the only one that's ran into this. And so I Google real quick, like spirit, tall, dark, top hat, mm-hmm. and like boom, Hatman. Just pages and pages and pages and pages of Google of people talking about the Hatman, books written about the Hatman. I had no idea that it was like a phenomenon that was all over the place. So I've been just been calling him Clyde because I, I name spirits that I see routinely because number one, it helps me just categorize them in my brain, but also it's really important when you do the work that I do, that you are not afraid of them. And so mm-hmm. if I give them a funny name, like Fred, you know, right. like I'm not afraid of it anymore. If I, if I'm like, Oh, it's Fred, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's Clyde. Um, so he's shown up quite a few times. Um, there's always kind of common threads about a, the, the different Clydes and their hauntings and mm-hmm. um, a lot of theories about him. But it's, uh, it's something I've, I've gotten used to at this point, <laughs> enough to name it at least. Does it help you with any of your investigations or anything like that? No, but I did have a, an odd experience not that long ago. Um, 
where Clyde showed up in a family member's home randomly. I was just like there for dinner um, and it showed up and I was like, um, what are you doing here? Um, and they had shown up to make sure that I was planning on coming back to parallel investigation. Cause I've been kind of writing the bench for a couple of years because, you know, while I'm writing this book and I had sort of naively hoped that, uh, this book coming out would mean that I could retire, that I could kind of pass the torch on to whoever bought it. Right. And, uh, you know, my days would, would be done. Uh, but that's certainly not the case as I found out a few days ago, but, um, yeah, he showed up and wanted to make sure that I was planning on coming back. And that was an odd experience for me because I'm like, I'm constantly foiling all of your plans. I'm not sure why you would want me to continue doing that. But I've also found that there's a bigger picture, a bigger plan mm -hmm. than we often know. And so sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if the the battle between good and evil isn't a battle so much as it is a dance. Maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Do you has he given you any indication of why he's he's following you so so closely? No, and I don't think it's necessarily specifically me minus that one um, check in. I I think. Clydes are kind of everywhere, hence kind of like why when you Google, you have so many different stories with so many people who have seen them. Um, so I, I don't think it's special that I've come across them so much, especially given the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, it's like exterminators coming across a specific type of mice. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, eh, it's what I do. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I, ha I have friends who have theories. I, you know, I've, I've seen other people who have theories, but I'm not sure if we'll ever fully know. Well, you know, I'm kind of thinking along the line of maybe he's there to observe you. Mm -hmm. He's been sent down to observe you and how you work. Mm -hmm. He likes, obviously, he likes what you do, or he, you know, wouldn't have been like, yeah, get back in and do this, you know. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the deal. Maybe he's some kind of observer. That's very it's true. That's very yeah. I've heard that. that too. The the idea that possibly they're here for observation. I, I have heard that from a couple of people. Mm -hmm. um, we also had a case once where. And through my time, I've started to realize that there are kind of some cosmic rules mm -hmm. at play in all of this. And we did have an interesting case where before we went to it, our lead psychic had some sort of entity. He described it as like a hooded figure with like one red eye and one green eye, just like show up at the foot of his bed. It's like the morning when he had woken up. And this figure was like, we're going to help you today with where you're going because the thing there is breaking certain laws that it shouldn't be. And again, I have no idea what that means, but right. there is, I, I find like it's, it's more, there's some stuff going on. There's more structure to it than we think. I was going to ask you, are you aware of any cosmic rules, you know, that, that, that you've been told by somebody or anything? How's that, how's that work? So there is one, and I, I go into a lot of detail on it in the book. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a, a woman on our team named Aurora, who's a very talented channeler. And she channeled a, a message that was very interesting. And she shared it with us where she's like, it was explained to me that, you know, these entities, these spirits on the other side are not actually allowed to mess with the living mm -hmm. 
Like there, there are laws against it that they're not supposed to. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It did kind of like, you know, like resonate as true. But then why were we going to someone's house twice a month to, you know, put the kibosh on some entity that's messing with a family? Uh Um, And a few months later, uh, I come across the Big Seance podcast, and it's one of their very first uh, episodes, I believe. It's 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 an early episode with a woman named Marilyn Painter. Uh, who describes herself as an energy linguist. And she starts talking about agreements with spirits and how a lot of hauntings require our participation in them or our agreements to allow it to happen, which was Mm -hmm. the missing piece of the puzzle for me that, okay, so they're not allowed to interact with us or mess with us unless we agree to it or give them permission. And that kind of, again, we're like, well, like, you know, a lot of the families that are dealing with, they didn't ask for it. They didn't have any like big formal spirit contract, but the agreements as she was explaining in the podcast are actually, um, we give permission and we make agreements in, in a lot of different ways unintentionally. So for instance, um, if we, um, so w- when I, when I'm teaching, uh, when I'm teaching this, I always have like a room full of paranormal investigators. I'm like, okay, who here has heard of some dangerous object like a knife being thrown across the room, you know, by a spirit at some point and nearly, you know, hitting somebody? All the hands go up. And I go, okay, keep your hand raised. If you've if that story has ever ended with and it hit and killed or injured someone. And all the hands go down. And I'm like, because it did not have permission to actually harm you but if it can get really close it gets you to believe oh my god this thing can hurt me you've given it permission through your belief through your thoughts through things like that and so that's also why a lot of hauntings start off very slowly and ramp up because you know it starts off as knocking in the walls Mm -hmm. well eventually you knock back that creates an an agreement for communication Uh and so it kind of kind of spirals from there. And that's too why I explained in the book things like Ouija boards. A Ouija board itself is not evil, terrible thing. However, it's very easy with modern usage to create a lot of agreements very quickly. So mm-hmm. you see people, you know, kids at slumber parties, people on Halloween that are drunk, get out the Ouija board and go, is there anything here that would like to communicate with us? Well, that's a very big invitation and an agreement. Then the next thing is, so can you, whatever is here, move the planchette? Now here's where beliefs come in, right? So there are kind of two camps with the Ouija board thing of how it works. One camp says that the spirits move the pointer itself, mm-hmm. which means that that is your belief and you're asking them to move the pointer, you're giving them permission to interact with and move things in the environment. The other camp is that it is the like, uh, the what is it, the idiomotor response or whatever, where it's actually us moving it. And if that is your belief that we are actually the ones moving it, but the spirits are influencing us to move it, then you've given whatever it is in an invite and an agreement to either exert some sort of influence over you or attempt to pass like a, 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 a low level, like partial possession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a lot of agreements very quickly that I think a lot of people don't think about. So right that's one of the the laws that I've seen in play and has actually held true over the years of paranormal investigation. 
as well. It kind of goes back, uh, harkens back to the old vampire movies, you know, where you gave you gave permission for him to cross the, the threshold in your home. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things too I find is actually pretty common with hauntings is I'm like, well, when did this start? Did anything weird happen? And a lot of times people will be like, well, like, I don't know if this is important, but one day there was a knock at the door and I went and I answered it and no one was there. And I'm like, it asked to come in and you said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's also why I will never have a doormat that says welcome. <laughs> I'm like, no, right. no, thank you. No, God, not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> have you seen, you know, with people watching t- the TV shows, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's some, there's a couple decent ones, but I'm just saying, have you seen an increase in, 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 in activity? Or people think they have activity because, I mean, essentially, they're so excited for this stuff that if they do have a knocking in their house, what's the first thing they're going to do? You know? Yeah. So have you seen any increase like that? Um, Not so much from the paranormal TV shows. Um, I have seen an increase in activity, though, from um, witchcraft going mainstream. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because it used to be years ago, it used to be like um, me showing up to a house and being like, okay, like what started this? And they were like, I don't know. And then I'll go find the spirits. I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh no, we were invited. And so you'd have to go back to the family and be like, what'd you do? And it was always like, well, there was this Ouija board, you know, it was always like Ouija boards or something like that. Nowadays, we don't get, I don't, I don't at least come across that so much, but what I do come across is I come into a house and there's a very specific stink of witchcraft. And I'm like, okay, so which one of you is practicing? Uh-huh. And someone's always like, well, like, I guess that's me. And I'm like, okay, so what is your path? What, what is it that, that you're practicing? And they're like, right. they're like, oh, I'm just manifesting abundance and, you know, or, or a lot of spirit work. Like I have an altar to Persephone and I'm like, honey, that is not Persephone that you're speaking to. I hate to break it to you. So okay. it's a lot of stuff where people are doing the witchcraft without right. learning foundational skills right. like right. protection and clearing and stuff like that. So they run into problems. I could laugh about it because I mean, you run into this stuff all the time. So after a while you get, you're like a police officer. It's like, okay, we know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I think that's what people don't realize is that yeah. everything, like I said earlier, everything you contact may not be as nice as you think it is yep. when it starts coming through. And then once you open the door, unless you know how to shut the door, it's just going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've known people that with psychic abilities, who have started all, all nicey-nicey and then they get so overwhelmed because they, they, they can't control what's, what's popping in and out all the time. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you uh, fill me in? You don't have to use names or anything on a, um, one of your more uh, very interesting investigations that you've done to help people? Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch the first part of that. Can you uh, fill me in on, say, an investigation that was uh, kind of on the complicated side where you were you able to really help the people? Yeah. Um... There was, there was one, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, Cause it, it was unusual. Um, so I was called to this house um, way out in the sticks. It was like a, um, an ancestral homestead house. So like their family had lived in for like over a hundred years, like all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, um, and I go out there and one of the things that they were reporting is um, they had multiple generations living in the house. They had the mom, the daughter, and then the, the daughter had a baby recently. Mm-hmm. And what the thing that prompted them to call us was uh, something had picked up the crib and moved it. 
like in front of them. It lifted the crib and moved it. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. Cause like mm-hmm. if, if children are involved, if babies are involved, like Absolutely. I'm, it jumps to the top of my priority list. So I'm like, okay, I have to go out there. So I went out there and I'm ready. I'm looking for some baby snatching demon or whatever it is. And I'm not finding it. What I did find though, is I found a man who was not super old. He's probably in his like late thirties, early Mm forties. And he was, I'm not sure what the current terminology for it, but he was um, intellectually disabled. We'll say. Um, And I'm, I'm talking with this guy and, and it's kind of hard to kind of like get the communication right. Um, especially when, when spirits have, have different things going on, but we, we kind of got into a groove with communicating and he's telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I used to live here. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is a thing. And, I, and I'm talking with the, with the owner. I'm like, I'm like, does this guy sound familiar? They're like, no, I, there's, we've never heard of him. Um, and the story kind of unfolds that he lived there and, the family didn't tell anybody that he existed because of his condition. And he lived out there and died out there and was buried on the property in an unmarked grave. And I'm like, Oh, and so it's all falling into place that he's not attempting to harm the baby, but the baby was making so much noise and it was freaking him out and he didn't know what to do about it. And so like in that he created so much energy that he was moving the crib and causing all this activity as a way to try and communicate. Cause again, Mm -hmm. just because it sounds scary and aggressive, doesn't mean that the spirit is out to get you. The spirit was simply overstimulated with everything. And so I'm, you know, I'm there with another psychic that I work in tandem with a lot. Uh, her name's Aurora. She's the one who did the, the channeling. Um, absolutely adore her. And so we're working together and we go kind of like out into the field where we feel like he's buried and um, we're trying to get him to cross over. Cause that's very important. Like, you know, if we can, if they want to um, in, you know, we're not meant to stay here. So it's, right. it's important for us that if, if we can, and if they want to, that we get them crossed over and one of the ways we like to do this, especially when spirits are nervous or scared or, or unsure about going through light, um, is we ask once it's open, we ask somebody that they knew on the other side to come through and escort them. And that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to do it. They feel a lot better about it. So we have the light open and he's like, oh, I don't know what that is. I'm scared. And so we're like, okay, is there someone who has passed on that, you know, you trust that we could ask to call through? And at the same time, me and this other psychic I'm working with, so you, you know it's right when both of you get it at the same time. Right. And right. it's like, what? This was the first, this was a first for me where he responded with a dog. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So we asked the dog to come through. This little black dog comes through the light. They're so excited to see one another. And then they go back through and I'm like, not okay. <laughs> like, cause it's like the purest thing I have ever That's witnessed. Awesome. And, uh, and then the family that, that, I mean, that property in that house is forever haunted, but not having that problem anymore afterwards. Wow. Um, so that, that was, that was one where I wasn't sure what to expect when I showed up, but actually it ended up working out well for both the people and the spirits involved in it. It was, it was very nice. It's funny. You should mention a dog like that because when my father, uh, 
had one of his frequent bouts of pneumonia that got really bad and he was in the ICU. Mm-hmm. And he had had, a, I don't know if he had a heart attack, but they had to come in and do CPR on him. While this was going on, he he told me about this. He saw a dog come into the room that he had had when he was in the, in, in, in the Coast Guard during World War II. And he actually, you know, stood, he, he saw it clearly. And he got up, he got up on it, well, you know, he got up on it, he rose out, out mm-hmm. of his body, walked over to the dog, was petting it and stuff. And then he heard the dog tell him flat out, it's not your time. I have to go. And the dog left him, and then he woke up, and they were uh, finishing off their CPR and stuff, and you know, getting him back on track. But it's funny you should mention dogs because to, you know to greet people because people don't think that that happens. They think it's going to be a, you know like a like a what's left of a human relative coming to greet them. Mm-hmm. They always think it's going to be grandma or someone, yeah. but yeah. the the pets are also on the other side for sure. That's awesome. That's really cool. So. Um, What's it like to incorporate, you know, to take what you know with witchcraft and, and, and incorporate it into, into what you do out in the field? It's wonderful. I would not do it any other way. I feel like, I feel like when we do this work, especially work that's so, you know, we're working with such a wild kind of entity that is the paranormal that I, I feel like it would be unforgivable not to use everything <laughs> that we have at our disposal right. to either not only try and interact with it, but also try and inter- to try and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do find though that occasionally because uh, paranormal investigation and paranormal investigators have a tendency to be a little stuffy. They like to be science all the time mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. scientists here mm-hmm. and I'm like off in the corner, like talking to something or like, you know, ringing bells in the corner. So I occasionally look for lack of a better term, batshit crazy. I'm not sure if I can say that on your podcast, but I seem insane. And also sometimes the things that I come across are different from what a great deal of paranormal investigators would think, you know, cause they're always looking for like ghosts and proof of survival of death and things like that. And I've had to have conversations with families where I'm like, you don't have a ghost, but you do have fairies um, <laughs> and have to walk them through that. So I, I feel like my approach and my interaction with the paranormal is much more well-rounded because of the witchcraft yeah. background that I have. Um, but I do find sometimes that I seem a little out there on occasion. So yeah, you win some, you lose some. And what kind of reaction have you gotten from your uh, co-investigators when you come come across something like fairies? Because I know I was on invest- we did an investigation just uh, just after COVID, and it turned into be fairies. And I remember looking at my psychic, and I went, "Okay." You know, that was my reaction was, okay. So what kind of reaction do you get from them? Because because if they're doing the scientific thing, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to swallow that. You know, for me, I am truly blessed to be part of the paranormal investigation team that I'm on right now. I, It's the first and only investigation team I've ever joined. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of joined by accident. Again, Aurora, the, the team member, found me and was just kind of like, you, you need to come and join us. And I'm like, okay. Um my team is mostly psychics. We do have investigators, but we are mostly psychics. And we are mostly 
um, basing our work around doing uh, resolves or doing, you know, resolution of hauntings, mm -hmm. as opposed to so much investigation. Mm -hmm. So my team is very open-minded. We've all seen some stuff. A lot of them have been doing this for a really long time. And so we pretty much know that the truth is always stranger than fiction. So I am really blessed to have a team that I can go, okay, I think it's fairies and have them go, I was thinking the same thing. So it's, it's very nice to have that safe space. And they've given me a lot of room because I am the only one on the team that is, um, that is a, a self-proclaimed witch or, you know, mm -hmm. magic worker of any kind. And they've given me a lot of room to experiment mm -hmm. um, and try new things. And sometimes it looks weird, but they, they have enough faith in me to allow me to do that. And I've over the years kind of proven myself able to step out a little bit into a direction and they give me that room. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed to be a part of that team. Fantastic. Now, can a person who has a ghost in their house let's go back to let's go back to this agreement thing? Mm -hmm. Can a person that has a ghost in their house or knows that there's ghosts in their house can they have some type make some type of an agreement so that everybody lives you know everybody lives happily? I mean, is there a way to do that with with let's go absolutely, absolutely. So I see. <laughs> I see a lot of weird advice online. And right now, the big thing, I guess it's like a spirit work is very big in witchcraft right now, where people are like, I think I have a ghost in my house. So I built an altar to it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, stop that. <laughs> stop that. I'm like, because if you had a roommate that you built an altar to and started buying them stuff, it would be weird. We have to first and foremost remember that ghosts in particular are people. They're humans. They just don't have bodies. And that's the only difference, really. Um, and so we need to address them and interact with them in a very similar manner. And something that I tell people when they're like, okay, I have a ghost. What do I do? I'm like, well, first of all, is, is it doing anything like aggressive? Is it attacking you? And if they're like, no, I'm like, okay. Try talking to it. Introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. Ask it to let you know if it needs something. And then set ground rules. You're welcome to hang out here. Don't watch me in the shower. Because that is a thing that they do. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, it's fine if you want to hang out here. But don't go into my children's room at night because it scares them. Mm -hmm. Set ground rules with them. And a lot of the time, they do follow them. If they don't, then you call someone like me and call someone like Charlotte and, you know, we'll, we'll help you out. But a lot of the times they respond well and respect ground rules. If you simply set them just like, cool, you can be here, but here's the things that I'm okay with. Here are the things I'm not okay with. Yeah. Cause I have to say, I have an agreement because my house is pretty full. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my right. agreement is, I know you, you know, I know you're here. You know, I know you're here. Don't scare me. Exactly. Just live like that. Yeah. Just everybody be cool. Yeah. I have a question. Um, I, I, when you run into clients that live in apartments, ah, yes. how do you deal with that? Because, I mean, there's just so much energy around them and other people, you know, and all that. How mm -hmm. can they protect their apartments so that the stuff doesn't come in, the, the negatives and stuff? That's a great question. So when it comes to apartments, we have to separately, separate a lot of layers, which can be difficult from a psychic perspective, because mm -hmm. you're right. They're surrounded by so many other people. And you know, is this your dead person? Is this your neighbor's dead person? Is this your dead neighbor from upstairs and no one has found yet? You know, I mean, we've seen some stuff. <laughs> so there's a lot of questions, you know, who does this belong to? Is this here? Um, so, but I have 
develop some techniques for creating what I call a seal, which is um, really helpful, especially like if you already have a physical structure like a wall mm-hmm. to make it impermeable to entities or spirits. And so if we can like do that for most of the walls and the ceiling and the floor and kind of get it on lockdown, but not completely locked down and then get out whatever is in there and then finish sealing it. Mm -hmm. That can be very helpful. Things like crystal grids in the home can be in the apartment can be very helpful. Um, as well as, you know, routine maintenance, specific wards, things like that, that we mm-hmm. can put up. Um, it all comes down to a lot of protection to kind of insulate that one area. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to an apartment too, I find myself, because I don't have an outside perimeter to work with, mm-hmm. um, I find myself using um, a lot of sympathetic magic, which is something like a poppet or um, in this case, a drawing of mm-hmm. the apartment, usually like from above, like a blueprint. Um as a way to affect the whole apartment by using an item. So um, I'll, I'll work with, with drawn versions of the apartment a lot in order to do the magic that needs to happen without having to go into like their neighbor's house and like knock on the other side of the wall or whatever. If people want to get into um, do, doing witchcraft, how should they do it? Uh, they should, um, they should get some good resources which in this day and age, it's, we live in a very interesting time where witchcraft information has never been more accessible. Mm-hmm. And yet that's also part of the problem as well, because sometimes some of the information that's put out there isn't great. I picked up a lot of books on witchcraft that I'm like, oh, this person should have never done this. Um, so it's, there's, eh, there's, there's some good, there's some bad. So I would read everything with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. really study, look at a lot of different things. Um, see what they say. Sometimes they agree with each other. Sometimes they don't Um, kind of form your own opinions about them. Don't take anything as gospel truth. That's always very dangerous. Um, And I like to tell people to start off with psychic skills, things like energy sensing, psychic shielding, grounding, meditation, start there. Because that's a great place to be because those are going to be excellent foundational skills they are going to help you for the rest of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And then from there, when you're ready to actually start doing magic, learn magic like cleansing magic and protection magic. Because again, when you start casting to get a new boyfriend and some dead guy who wants to be your boyfriend shows up in your house, you're going to need to know what to do. And having the ability to sense him and to shield yourself from him and then to cleanse him and protect and all those things, you know, is going to be very important. So again, start with psychic skills, love psychic skills, then work up into, you know, protection, cleansing, and then work up into money magic and all those things. Terrific, terrific. I would love to at some point have you talk to my team. Oh, I would love to. I I do team consultations as well. So if you guys have a case that you're like, we are absolutely stuck. Um, I'm happy to meet y'all on Zoom and have a conversation. I also teach teams as well. So if you're like, we need a workshop on something, then Mm -hmm. I will absolutely meet with the team um, over Zoom, teach it. Fantastic. What's, What's coming up for you? Oh, right now, um, right now, not so much, which is a, a, a big, <laughs> a big question mark, because normally I have so much happening. But um, I've, after this book has come out, I've kind of taken a little bit of a breather. I've um, 
actually started doing the in-person work again, which after the pandemic, you know, we couldn't go into people's houses and stuff like that. So I'm actually starting to do that more in real life um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to doing like online this or that. Um, So right now I'm doing a lot of writing. So you'll probably uh, see some more from me in the not too distant future. Um, And uh, just hanging out with my dog. There you go. There you go. Hey, let me ask you this real quick too. When you talk about doing in-person work versus online work, Mm -hmm. which is easier to do? It depends on what it is. Um, I always really prefer to do in-person work. Mm -hmm. Um, We did have to get very creative um, during like the the height of COVID. Uh, Mm -hmm. We very much had to get creative. I started doing a lot of things like candle spells from afar and actually ended up um, having some pretty good results, more than I thought I would doing it from far away. But uh, it it actually worked out pretty well. So, but I always prefer to be in a space. I I like to touch a lot of stuff like walls and ceilings and the floor and stuff. I like to really be in the space whenever I do work or if I'm doing healing for people, I like to actually be able to touch them or, um, you know, tarot card reading. I find myself holding people's hands a lot while I'm (laughs) delivering information and I can't do that over Zoom. So I am enjoying doing a lot of the in-person work again. Does it help to have that physical contact, you know, as far as, as far as what your readings are, do you get that physical energy? I think it does help in some way. Um, I I mean, like either way, like I'm able to do like something like a tarot reading, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether I'm, I'm in person with them or not, it all still works. But there's something so magical about having that human interaction, that ability to touch someone, to um, really share space with them. And you know, when, when I do a tarot reading, you know, people come over to my house, I make them a pot of tea, you know, it's like a whole experience that I can't do via Zoom. And I, I do find that it does help, you know, in person to be able, be able to do that. There's something um, about human connection that I think is really important that we, we found out was really important over the pandemic as well. Right, right, right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I love your energy. It's great. You know, oh, thank this, you. Was, this was really fun and I learned so much and I know they learned a lot, my audience, <laughs> and I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you so much. I'm always happy to come on. And I'd love to bring you back because you're, you're fun. You know, we can talk about stuff because boy, this is cool. It's really cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much and have a good rest of your evening. How can people find you? Um, you can find me um, on the interwebs. So um, my handle on Instagram, which is kind of like my main hub for everything, uh-huh. is Oregon Woodwitch, um, but it has a little underscore. So it's at Oregon underscore wood underscore witch. Now, there's a lot of people right now on Instagram that are pretending to be me. So make sure that it's not like the I is replaced with a one or like the Z the O's are actually zeros or something. So um, definitely make sure you have the right one. Um, I'm actually making my way off of social media. And so um, there's a link in my bio on Instagram where you can book services with me, book readings, coachings, things like that. And you can sign up for my, for my newsletter as well. 
Um, so as I kind of step off uh, social media, you can still stay in contact with me, email me, things like that. Absolutely. Again, I'd love to have you back on again. It was wonderful. Thank you. And have a good rest of your evening, sir. You too. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. That was really cool. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I'm just really tired. I haven't really wiped. I had some bunch of stuff go on over the weekend. Anyway, tomorrow I will be reading our favorite book that we're reading about the Salem Witch Trials. And then Wednesday, our goal, our old friend Stan Gordon is going to be with us to talk about cryptids and UFOs. So that's our lineup for the next couple of days. Um, I want to thank you all for coming. If you like what you heard tonight, please be sure to hit that like and follow button. More likes the merrier. We're trying to get the word out about the show so you can, you can share us around too. Love to be shared. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five your enemies. We are equal opportunity here, so we're looking to get followers. Uh, let me see if I can direct you down there. Aha, uh-huh. see, there you go. First try. You never know. Uh, that's where our little ghost guy is, our little ghost investigator for YouTube. If you're watching from YouTube, and if you like what you hear and you want to subscribe, click on him and they'll have that subscribe button. See, my lips don't want to work. My subscribe button to pop on up. And uh, that will subscribe you to more than 493 videos that are sent over there, all on different topics. And topics like this, this gentleman we had on tonight, who I really adore. And I'm going to have him talk with my team. I'm going to have him talk with my team because I, I think he has a lot of good stuff to say. Uh, so anyway, if you liked everything, again, you know, go, go visit me on Instagram at ghostygal, at ghostygal, all lowercase. Check us out on TikTok at California Haunts, TikTok, all lowercase. And, uh, you know, Twitter and all, all the usual suspects on Facebook. But I want to thank you all tonight for coming. And I will see you tomorrow. I will give you his contact information and where to get his books. And then you, then I'm going to leave you guys alone tonight. How's that sound? So here we go. And boom, just like this. I think hit the button. There we go. So bloody blind. Okay. And here we go. His website, like he says, is Instagram. And then you've got space. You've got Oregon, lowercase wood, lowercase witch. And the book is The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal. I read parts of it. Great book. You guys, it does not disappoint. An American Brujeria. Hope I said that right. Okay, and of course you can get those at Amazon. So I am about to say goodbye to you guys for this evening, but I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific with our book reading, which is getting really interesting because now they're arresting children as witches. So, wow. you know, who, I never knew that much about the witch trial. So, wow. Okay, so here we go. 